Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys are having a great Christmas season uh, so far. And uh, we are in the middle of a, actually at the end of a series called Fear Not. And it just seems like at Christmas time, we have some of these fears. Uh, If you look at your bank account right now or your credit card, you might have some fears happening right now. All right. Um, You know, if you look at your schedule of who's going to be coming over to your house, uh, you know, your mother-in-law or whoever that may be. Uh, I have a great relationship with my mother-in-law. Just let me say this, and, and because this is recorded, and it's on the web, and she could be listening right now. I love you, Miss Mary. You're awesome. Um, but you, um, you may be looking at your list of people who are going to be coming over, or maybe uh, you're, you're looking at the people you're going to go visit. And it's like, you know, every time we go, it's just a bad experience. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, the Griswold Christmas has nothing on us. And, uh, and so and we actually have a Griswold family here, um, so we, uh, we like to tease them a little bit. Their last name is Griswold. Um, but we, we, um, we do have some fears in our life, and, and let's just look beyond Christmas. Let me just give you some things to be scared about, okay? Let's just be real. You know, in the new year, you know, what's going to happen? Now, obviously, we've got, a, we've got a new leader in, in the uh, White House. We've got a lot of change uh, that's on the horizon. Um, you know, some of you may think it's good change. Some of you think, may, may think it's bad change. But really, be quite honest, we have no idea. Only God knows that. And so, but there are fears that's on the horizon. And so Mary and Joseph had fears as well. Um, you know, we talked about first week with Mary had, um, had some fears when the angel came and said, fear not. You know, that's what all these angels, they say uh, with all of these three stories that we're talking about. They say, fear not. And, and he tells Mary that you're going to be pregnant even though you've never been with a man. And, um, and you're not married to, to Joseph yet, but you are engaged to him. And so it was a major interruption in our life. And what we learned week one was that, was that there are interruptions that happen in our life, just like Mary. But really what God really, really wanted to give to Mary was an invitation. Mary thought was an interruption when in actuality God saw it as an invitation, an invitation to change the world, an invitation to do something bigger than herself, to do something great. And so you might have some interruptions in your life. You might have some interruptions in your life and be like, okay, well, this is what's happening. Uh, you know, you could be lo- losing your job, you know, or uh, maybe a health concern or maybe a, a relationship, bad breakup or something. And so you're looking at your life thinking, this is a major interruption, but really it's an invitation from God to do great things and to do something better because God has great plans stored up uh, for you. And really, uh, we get so worried about the outcome when really the outcome is not our job. Worrying about the outcome is God's job. Uh, You know what our job is? Obedience. Obedience. And when God calls us to do something, we're just going to obey. We're going to surrender. We say, Lord, this is not the end of the world as we know it. We are going to walk in obedience, and we're going to trust in you for the outcome. Well, Joseph had fears as well. Can you imagine Joseph being told by Mary, I'm pregnant? Oh, yeah? By who? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Okay? Um, so the, uh, he, Joseph had some fears in his life. Do, do I... Do I Listen to my family and friends telling me to maybe I need to divorce her. So he had plans to, to divorce her, the Bible says. Uh, because even though he was engaged, Jewish culture, you had to divorce 
You can't just break up. It's a divorce when you're even engaged. And so uh, Joseph was like, what should I do? And the angel came in his dream and said, fear not, Joseph, it's true. You're going to raise Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. You're going to call him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so Joseph uh, had a choice to make. He had a choice. Do I listen to what others say or do I obey? Do I follow God? And sometimes when we obey God, sometimes we're going to disappoint others. When you have a choice like Joseph did or, or a similar choice in your life, and we all have those choices where if we follow God, it's not the popular thing to do, and people could be even advising you against it. But when you follow God, you could disappoint others. But you know what? We can't be living life worrying about others' sink. We can't. That's what Joseph had to understand. A, a, a strong principle was that uh, be, um, becoming ob- obsessed with what others think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Being completely obsessed with what others think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. God has a great plan for you. He's, he loves you. He, he wants to guide you. He, and he wants to, you to do great things for his kingdom and for your life and affect others. Stop worrying about others, what others think. You know how to fix that? You reverse that statement. When you are completely obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what others think about you. When you spend your time about what God thinks about you, about you, you, uh, you pleasing him, you obeying him, when you're obsessed with that, and you're reading his word, and, and his word has all these promises and all these, these words of encouragement. You're, gonna, you're not going to have time or even storage in your brain or your heart to worry about what others think about you because you're obsessed with what God thinks about you. So today, we're going to talk about a fear. We're going to talk about this fear, and many of us face this in our life. Today, we're going to talk about where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with God? You know, the fear that we have that we're all going to stand before the throne and we're all going to give an account for our life. And so where do we stand with God, even on this earth? And, and I, I grew up in the church. I mean, I was saved at the age of six. And there wasn't a whole lot of stuff I did before at the age of six. There was quite a bit of stuff I did after the age of six. You know, but uh, finally sorted my heart to Jesus and was following after him with all my life. And, but, but I was scared to death. And I had fear in my life about where I stood with God. Not with what God thought about me, but just more what I stood, where I stood with God. Will, will I go to heaven? Would I go to heaven? Because there's not, you don't receive like this, this, uh, this package in the mail from heaven that says, Hey, Frank, I, I heard your prayer. You're saved. Here's your certificate. Put this in your casket. And I'll make sure you know, you're, you're in, all right? Sometimes, don't you wish you can have something like that, something tangible? Well, then that wouldn't be faith, would it? That wouldn't be faith. That's why we have faith. But you know, as a child, sometimes you get kind of freaked out, okay? And, and what made, made matters worse is your parents would teach you like this bedtime prayer. Have you, have you ever heard of this prayer? Maybe you remember this prayer, and maybe you even said this prayer, but it really freaked me out because this prayer says something like this. Now 
I lay me down to sleep. That's a nice prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Kind of getting freaky. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's kind of morbid. We don't teach our kids that in the Bennett house, okay? Uh, you know, can you imagine, uh, you know, teaching that to your kids and say, all right, good night, uh, good luck with that, all right, and then leave the room. But, you know, lying in bed, after saying that prayer, I would have more prayers of prayer. I'd say, okay, God, I don't really like that prayer, so just please make sure if I die, I want to be in heaven. I just want to be in heaven. Please let me be in heaven. Just, I don't want to die. And so I, I remember falling asleep, saying that prayer. And I remember waking up the next morning, he's like, okay, good, I, I didn't die. But I didn't finish the prayer. I didn't finish with an amen. So maybe, maybe God's upset with that. So I need, to, I need to make sure I finish with an amen, you know. And so I would do like double amen, amen and amen, you know, just sort of that bookend deal. You know, amen and amen. And I have so many amens that if you forget to say amen, you could borrow one of mine. All right, that I've stored up in heaven. But we, have, we sort of freak out about um, where we stand with God because when we wake up uh, from, uh, from this life on the other side, after we, after we do die on this earth, we want to make sure we, where we stand with God. And so uh, we're going to look at this and we're going to see how the, um, uh, the angel came and talked to the shepherds. Uh, talk to the shepherds and how in Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there, in Luke chapter 2 verses uh, 8 through 11, we're going to read there and we're going to see what this looks like with the shepherds. So we've seen Mary, we've seen Joseph, and now we're going to see this one. And there in verse uh, 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now that's important. They're working at night, Okay. It's like there's, there's people here that have night shifts. You know, you work at night. There are people here that, that you, you got off work just a few hours ago and you came to church. Okay, so we, there are people who work at night. And so they're watching their flocks at night. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. In the King James it says, fear not, fear not. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so they were longing and looking for this Messiah. Uh, the, um, the, the shepherds knew about that. But what's really interesting is, why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? We're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds because... Back in the day, in, in Mary Joseph's time, what many people would do, especially if you have some money, which Mary Joseph did not, if you had some money, you would actually hire someone to go and herald out, proclaim uh, the birth of your, of your child, especially if it was a son. I mean, you would, you, would ha you would hire several heralds. That's why we sing, hark the herald angels sing. They're heralding out the message of the birth. And so uh, Jewish families would hire people because they didn't have Twitter. I mean, they didn't have Facebook. 
Have, so, so that was their form. That was social media, all right? So they would hire these, uh, these people, and their job was to go and, um, and just proclaim the, uh, the, the news that this family has a child, and they would celebrate. And so that's, uh, that's what God did. God says, okay, well, Mary and Joseph, don't, they don't have the money to do that, but this is my son, and so I'm going to have the angels held out. Hmm, who should I choose uh, to go to first? Because I guarantee you this, the Jewish families who hired people to go herald out the message that they had a, a child born in their family, the first group that they, come, that they went to was not the shepherds. In fact, I can pretty much tell you the shepherds were the last if they even knew about a birth. First of all, you had to go find them. They're out in the fields. I mean, they're far away. Many times they would be days away, and they would be far from home. And so, um, but God says, I'm going to choose the shepherds. Shepherds. Why the shepherds? There's more people that we could think of that he would, he would go and proclaim that. Maybe, maybe some, some noble people. You know, maybe maybe some uh, other other lands. I mean, obviously we had the we had the uh, the the wise men who came from a far off country, but you know the angel didn't didn't come to them. They kind of figured it out. But the angel came to shepherds. So why the shepherds? You know, well the shepherds were the most disrespected group of people in their Jewish culture. Okay, if you had a lot of sons, usually the son, the youngest son would be the one who would be watching the sheep. That's why David, he was the youngest, he was the out in the sheep when they were looking the poor king. It's like, uh, he's not here. The, the guy I'm looking for, the God, the God, uh, the person that God has called to be the next king, he's not here. Do you have any more? Yeah, this, our, our, our little David, I mean, he's our youngest, he's out in the, he's out in the field. Well, go get him. And that's how we have David. King and obviously uh, the, the lineage or the line of David is where we get Jesus. And so uh, you would have the youngest boy in the family uh, who would go and watch the sheep. So in my family, I have four boys. We have six children. We have four boys. That would be Lincoln. That would really scare me. For those who know Lincoln, him, you know, watching after the sheep. Uh, he loved the job, but, but we, he would lose sheep. Yeah, he, he just would do that. But, or, or if you didn't have, have sons, you would actually, uh, uh, if you have money, you would actually ha- hire slaves to uh, actually go and, um, and watch the sheep. Because it was a dirty job. They were rejected. Um, and, and they could not live up to the religious standards uh, of that day. They were, they were dirty. They couldn't keep themselves ceremonial clean. And the fact that they were gone all the time... Out because, uh, you know, they didn't just take the sheep around where they lived. They had to take the flocks and they had to go to some pastures far away outside of the city, maybe across the country, and, and they would spend days there at a place where they can watch the sheep and they can rest and they can eat and all that stuff. And so the shepherds, uh, they, could not, they couldn't go to church. They couldn't go to the temple. That often because they were, out of, they were out of town. I remember my dad. My dad was a truck driver growing up. And he was a long-distance truck driver. And he would be gone for several days, sometimes two or three weeks at a time. He would be gone. You know, before cell phones. You know, we, we might get a phone call from him from a pay phone if we were around, if, if I happened to be there. But there were many times that I didn't even talk to my dad for weeks at a time. 
I would just kind of hear mom, mom would say, well, dad's fine. He's in Maine, you know, and he's on his way down to Houston, and, and it's going to be a while. But, but I remember my dad, he just was never at a place where he could come to church that often because he uh, had a job. and He was a truck driver. It, it's almost like um, the, the, the shepherds were kind of like truck drivers. All right, they, they kind of did a job that not many people really, really like to do. It's not really a, a job that, um, you know, that you may aspire to. There might be some people here like, man, I, I would love that to get away, to drive away and escape. You know, my wife would probably love to be a truck driver just to get away from the kids, you know, a little bit. So maybe when we retire, we might, you know, uh, go on a, a truck and buy a truck and, and live together there. It'd be awesome. But, you know, it's not something that, um, that is really, really highly uh, re- respected even in our culture, but it is very, very needed in our culture. Very much needed, just like shepherds were very needed. But they didn't get much respect. And so why did they not get much respect? Why, why did they feel like they were, they were distant from God? They felt sort of distanced from God. Number one, they felt unworthy. They felt unworthy. And if you're taking notes and if you have this in your bulletin, uh, feel free to, uh, to fill this out. But the reasons why they felt distanced from God is, number one, they felt unworthy. They felt unworthy. They felt like you are not good enough for religion. You are not good enough for God. You can't even do all of the religious things that a good Jewish person should do. So you're not good enough. So they felt unworthy. You know, maybe there's people here today. You feel like, man, I I don't feel worthy. I don't even feel worthy to be here. I got, you know, I was, I I was, uh, you know, drug here to church, and, and I'm, I'm just here because I told someone I'd come or whatever. But maybe you don't feel worthy because you feel like there's got to be so many things you've got to do right. Well, that's exactly how the, how the shepherds felt. They felt unworthy because they could not fulfill all of those other things. Another thing uh, they felt, uh, the reason uh, they felt distance from God is they felt inadequate they felt inadequate. Um, they, uh, they were uneducated. They, um, they, were, they were not really, you know, a, a, a meaningful piece of culture. And they did not feel adequate enough uh, and, and spiritually adequate. Uh, they did not feel like they can measure up. It, it's kind of like this, ladies. You know, the, the Christmas Hallmark movies... It's a marathon, and it's crazy. There are people in our house who are hooked. I'm not going to tell you who, but they're hooked. And so the, these, these, these Hallmark Christmas movies, you watch them, and you think, oh, wow, that's really decorated nice. Oh, that house is really nice. Oh, that cabin Wow, look at all those decorations. Look at all that stuff. And you look, at it and you look around your house, and you're like, and I look like a ball humbug. I look like, like, like a Scrooge. I can't, my house didn't compare to that. I wish my house looked like a Hallmark house, right? And you're thinking, there's no way Hallmark will knock on my door and say, hey, can we film a movie here, you know? But it, it's kind of like that where you look at and you kind of measure yourself up to what other people are doing. You kind of feel inadequate. 
You're you, either with your house or maybe you as a, as a person, I'm talking to everybody now, you as a person, you may feel inadequate. Well, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the answers to, to what's in the Bible. Can I tell you something? I don't know all the answers. As a pastor, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm just like you. The only difference is I'm standing on this platform and you're sitting on those hard benches. That's the only difference between you and me as far as understanding because Know this, you can feel inadequate at times. You think I feel inadequate preaching at times? Yes, I do. I feel like, God, there's somebody else who could do this better. Well, that's how the shepherds felt. They felt inadequate. And then another thing they felt, they felt unloved. They felt unloved. Did you know that, um, that many shepherds, we're also known as thieves. I mean, think about it. You're, you're watching sheep. You're kind of away from your house, but you're maybe around another village on the other part of the country, countryside, and you're out of town. You're, you're kind of bored. There's nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, mischief happens. And so, so uh, shepherds were known as thieves. Now, it didn't mean that they were all thieves, but even if you weren't a thief, you, you were, if you were a shepherd, you were considered a thief. You were known as someone who can be untrustworthy. And so you couldn't be trusted even uh, in court. They would not allow a shepherd to come in court to testify and bank on that person's word. Why? Because they were considered someone who could not be trusted. They felt unloved. Maybe Maybe you feel unloved. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you, you feel unloved. And I don't know if this, if this story is true for you. I'm going to share some examples. Some of these might fit you and some of them will not. But maybe you feel unloved. Maybe, maybe your, your, your father left you as a child. And, and uh, you never really seen him before. And, and you have this, this empty place in your heart. And that emptiness is for your dad, and he left you, and so you feel unloved. Say, what's wrong with me? What did I do? Or maybe you're sitting here today, this could be your story. You were in a relationship, maybe even married, in a serious relationship. Maybe that person cheated on you. Maybe that person rejected you. And so you feel unloved. You feel like, Man, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Or maybe it's, it's your, your, you could be your personal image. You could be looking at yourself just thinking, man, if I was looking for somebody, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look for somebody like me. I, I just feel unloved. Look at me. I feel unloved. It's kind of getting real, isn't it? We all, we all can feel that way. We all can feel that way. I mean, after the holidays and after all the eggnog, which is not spiked, by the way, and after the eggnog that I'm drinking, I, I, there's more me to love, you know. But you could be in a, in, in a sort of a, a situation where you feel like, man, how can someone love me? You know, or maybe this person has done this to me. Well, you could be sitting here today and looking at some people be like, man, those people have it all together. 
Those people have it all together. We did a, a Christmas uh, a video last year uh, called Crazy Christmas Time. Still trying to work on another one because there's been lots of requests for that. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Pray for us. So people look at that video and say, oh, what a great family. Oh, it's awesome. Well, y- y'all just look so perfect and everything. Okay, if we could show you the, the behind the scenes of that video, you would not want to be a part of our family. <laughs> you know, whether it be recording the, 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 the singing or recording the video, and you think everything's perfect, everything's so great, but you, what you don't realize is what it, what it took to get to that, and there's lots of messiness. It's kind of like going to, to a really nice restaurant, fine dining, and you're looking out, and there's white tablecloths and, and fine dining and... and, and uh, just chandeliers everywhere, and it's so nice, and the food is just prepared just right. And you see, oh, wow, this is so awesome. But what you don't realize, in the kitchen, the mess is happening. <laughs> it's messy back there. Food is falling on the floor, hopefully not putting back on your plate, but it's falling on the floor, and there's lots of yelling and lots of dishes crashing, and it's a mess. But when it gets brought out to you, you think, oh, wow, this is so nice. And so people come to church, and they think, well, look at that family or look at that person. They have it all together. Can I tell you something? That is a wrong perception. Don't let that perception be your reality. Because I do know this. There could be people sitting around you. Maybe there's, there's a, a single mom sitting here today, and you, and, and you may think, man, that, that mom, how she's able to, to do all those things and how she's able to run that household and raise kids, and you think, well, she's got it all together, but in reality, she feels inadequate. She feels lonely. She feels inadequate, maybe even unloved. Or maybe you look at a, at a, at a father and you say, man, that guy's got it all together, you know, and, and he treats his kids and his wife great. But you may, what you may not realize is, is that father, maybe he's struggling financially. Maybe he, he recently lost his job or got a demotion, and he's trying to understand how he's going to put, put food on the table. And, and even though it seems like he's got it all together, you don't know that. You don't know that. Or there could be someone here today who's single never been married, and you say, man, what a great person. Just even though they're not married, they're living their life for God, and they're serving him, and, and, and they just seem so happy. Wow, what a great person. And yes, that's true. But what you may not realize is that maybe the countless hours and nights that they cry themselves asleep because they don't have anybody. And I know people are called to be single. I believe that. I believe God calls people to live a single life, but there are some people who are, who are single and, and they want somebody to love them. Maybe they feel unloved. Am I hitting at home with some of you? I'm hitting home with me on some of these things as well. Sometimes we feel like a shepherd. Sometimes we feel like a shepherd. Well, one thing is clear. The shepherds felt distance from God. They felt unworthy. They felt inadequate. They had all these feelings. And so they felt like separation from God. And so here's what we know about this. Religion did not work for the shepherds. Religion, religious acts did not work for the shepherds. Right? In fact, 
Religion did not work for the shepherds, and so because they did not work for shepherds, let's put it in our life, religion doesn't work for us. So, well, hold on a second, time out. Frank, aren't you a pastor of a religious church? Isn't religion something that, that <laughs> you go to work every day? Although some people think I just work one day a week, week and I just preach and that's it. You know? But when you go to work, isn't it about religion? And, and, but I'm here to say that religion is not about some rules. Because here's what happened. In that time, religion became all about the rules. It became all about obeying some rules. And let me tell you something. Religion, re- religion reduces Christianity to rules. Religion reduces Christianity to rules. Religion is rules. Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is a relationship. That's what Jesus came. He's like, whoa, whoa, time out, time out, stop. This is not what I had in mind. All these rules. It's about a relationship. And so if your relationship with me, with Jesus, is so strong, then, then you will kind of naturally obey a lot of those rules because you won't be focused on that. You'll be focusing on me. And so it's about a relationship. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. Christianity is never meant to be a religion. I have people, I have people ask me, what religion are you? I was like, well... I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. Now, you know, that makes me a Christian, but um, I don't want to label Christianity as, as a religion. It's, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with my Savior. It's a relationship. And so Paul talks about, in, in Romans, about to hear it in just a second, Paul talks about this, how we should not rely upon just those rules. And it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship. And remember, Paul was someone who hated Christians. He was persecuting Christians. He was going around, and before he, he met Jesus, before he got his life radically turned around and got saved, then he was persecuting Christians. And so we need to ask ourselves this question. Why do we need a Savior? If, if Christianity is about a relationship and that relationship is with Jesus, why do we need Jesus? Why can't we just follow some rules? Why can't we just follow some rules? I mean, there's other religions out there that follow rules. They have all kinds of rules. Well, let's turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're going to read just a few verses here. And you've heard, you, if you grew up in church, you you've probably have heard these verses. But we're going to start right here at verse 20. And we're just going to go 20 through 22. And it says this, Romans 3. Therefore, this is Paul talking. Therefore, no one would be, will be declared righteous in God's sight. Listen to this. By the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become Conscious of our sin. Let's go to verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. 
Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. And then it goes on to say, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you, one of the things we're getting in this and in, in, in some of the takeaway, and the good news is this. Number one, you can't earn God's acceptance by observing the law. You can't earn God's acceptance by observing the law. Now, there are probably two different groups of people here today. There are those people who may, you're, you're just kind of searching, you're looking at this Christianity, Christianity a relationship deal, and you're just here today thinking, you know, I've never really accepted Jesus, I don't know what that feels like. And so this message is to you in that you can't, earn God's acceptance by following the law, by following a bunch of rules. But there's another group of people. There's a group of people here today who are Christians, and you're trying to obey and follow a bunch of rules. Let me ask you today, why did you come here today? Why did you come here today? Did you come to church to follow some sort of rule? Well, if I'm a Christian, i got to i got to go to church. i got to do all these things. i got to do this. Don't come to church to follow a, a rule. Come to church to sing songs to Jesus, to gain more insight and wisdom from his word, to fellowship with other believers, to serve, to give, to do all of these things. It's not about a check on your list. You can't earn God's acceptance by observing the law. I mean, there were 613 laws by the time Jesus came onto the scene. 613 laws in the Jewish culture. Who's going to obey that? Jesus said, you know what? I tell you what, I, I, it started with 10 commandments. Let's whittle it down to two. Love God, love people. That's what the 10 commandments is all about. You look at them. They're either about loving God or loving people. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. That right there, love God, love people, all of it hinges on this command of this, this rule. Just do this, and you'll be fine. Those other 613, don't worry about those. those many of those are man-made anyway. So what is the purpose of the law? Our purpose of the law is to show our need for a Savior, our need for a Savior. We need a Savior. That's why we have the law. To show, that's why God says, all right, you want to, be, you want to spend, uh, spend eternity with me? Well, you've got to obey these ten commandments. Just do these ten. Oh, you broke them. Oh, well, I guess you're, you're doomed to hell. <laughs> well, that's why he, offered, he made this, the, the atonement of a, an animal without spot, without blemish, who, who shed their blood as a sacrifice for you. As the Jewish father put his hand on the head of that, of that lamb, and the sin, it was an, an act of faith that their sins were forgiven, that that lamb took their place. And then ultimately, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb who died for us. And so, but the purpose of the law is to show your need for a Savior. You cannot, you cannot follow a bunch of rules and get to heaven. You and I need a Savior. We need Jesus. Why? Because you can't measure Christianity and how good you are. You need a Savior. 
it's kind of like, it's kind of like in my house. You know, I, I know there's, there's some husbands and wives and, and ladies and gentlemen here who have different roles in the family. You know, you have some people who do the cleaning and the cooking, and you got some people who do the car work and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, the yard work. Well, in our house, Suzanne, my wife, does the cooking, and she's a great cook. In fact, this past week, uh, she fixed jambalaya, a big pot of jambalaya, a big pot of red beans and rice. And we had some other people in our church make some desserts and salad and everything. And they brought it and we fed the uh, Lake Point sports uh, staff. There's about 40 of them that we fed them this past week. And just as we had a Cajun Christmas lunch for them. And so she cooks. Well, I need a cook in my life. Now, I love to eat. But the only thing I can make is a peanut butter jelly sandwich and French toast. That's it. Now, I could change it up, maybe put peanut butter on the French toast, you know, or that sort of deal. But that's pretty much all that I can do. I could boil water. I could do that. I could make popcorn in the microwave. I could do that. But, you know, I have all of these tools. I have, I have this food. I have this pantry of food. I have this refrigerator of food. I have all these pots and pans. I have all of these things at my disposal, and I can make something. But you know what? When I go try to do that and I mess it up and I've done it before and I've messed it up and I've burnt things and I've ruined pots and, and, and Suzanne is like, okay, just get out of my kitchen. It just shows me that I need someone who can prepare food. I need someone who can prepare food in my life. Well, I know that's very elementary, but we have all of the laws and all the rules and everything in our life. And the reason why, if we try to obey those things, we understand, whoa, I need a Savior. I need a Savior because I cannot live up to this. Like at home, I have all this stuff and I try to use it. And it makes me understand, well, I can't do this. I need someone who could prepare the food. So we can never measure up. And some of you are here today, and some of you are, are trying to compare yourself to other people. They say, well, I'm all right. I'm pretty good. You can't compare yourself to other people. you got to compare yourself to God. So we need a Savior. We need a Savior. And the last statement in this, righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. We try to put our faith in other things, but it's only through Jesus. We try to put our righteousness into our good deeds. There's many people, and this is, this is really starting to, starting to come into the church. A lot of people in the church, a lot of Christians, they think, well, if I go do these good deeds, if I serve here, if I do this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make me look good. That's not the reason you should be serving. You should be serving because of the relationship you have with Jesus. And it's a natural outcome, a natural outflow of your relationship with Jesus. Yesterday, Suzanne and I, we got away from the house, and we had a day date. We, we like day dates because they're a little bit cheaper, especially when you go see a movie. But we had a day date, and, uh, but I wasn't like, okay, I, I'm married to my wife, and I need to go on dates, so I need to, I need to make sure we do this, and, 
and because I'm supposed to do this. And No, I want to do this. Trust me, I, I told Suzanne the other day, I would love to just, you and I, just get away like on a remote island for like two weeks. And it'd be awesome. We love our children. We love our children, but sometimes, you know, we just need a break, right? And so, but the reason why we go out on dates is because I want to be with her. I love her. And y'all say, ah, uh, yes. Well, can I tell you something? God is looking down at you. And when you choose to want to spend time with him, not because you're scratching it off a list, not because you're checking it off, not because you feel guilty, but when you sit down at God's word and say, God, show me something, show me something real. Lord, I want to spend time with you. Speak to me. You know what God is saying? God is saying, aw, aw. It's probably a little bit bigger than that. Oh, you know. But God is saying, look at that. Look at that. Look that life. Why? Because they love me. Do you feel unworthy? Good. Do you feel unloved? Good. Do, do you feel like you just maybe uh, don't, don't fit in? Good. Because the herald angels came and they shared the news of Jesus to shepherds who felt the exact same way. That message is for you today. And God's telling you this. I love you. You are loved. And you do have, you do have a great uh, set of gifts and abilities that I want to use to do great things. So don't fear about where you stand with me because I love you. God is telling you that right now. So stop worrying about a bunch of rules. Get into a relationship. I know it's backwards from our culture and how we think, but just simplify and get into that relationship and don't make it about rules. You know, I've shared a little bit about how God sent this plan of, of, of sheep taking our place, of innocent lambs taking our place. And then ultimately Jesus came and he took your place. And as they, they saved this lamb and they saw a lamb that was without spot or without wrinkle and he was born and he's like, oh, this lamb is, lamb is perfect. So what they would do is they would put it on the manger floor and they would wrap this lamb and they would hold this lamb and they would save this lamb. Why? For that lamb to die one day. Very similar to Mary taking her baby, Jesus, and wrapping Jesus up. Wrap him up. Because one day, this child, this baby is going to die for the sins of mankind. And then when he hung on the cross, and he did die for our sins, and he was taken off the cross, what is the first thing they did? They wrapped him up and placed him in a tomb. And so, if you're sitting here today, say, Frank, I've never accepted Jesus. I need a Savior in my life. I can't, 
I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. Or maybe you're, you're sitting here today and you've accepted Christ, but maybe you feel like you're far from God. Maybe you feel like one of those shepherds. You feel unloved. You feel inadequate. You feel unworthy. If that is you, maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's, let's have some time of prayer. If you're sitting here today, Frank, I just feel unloved. I feel like those shepherds. I just feel like that. If that is you, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand or anything. Just say a simple prayer like this. Say, Father, I know you love me. I'm sorry for looking at myself like this. I'm sorry for not trusting you. But I know you have great plans for me. So please let me see myself through your eyes that I do have a purpose and I have a plan and if you're sitting here today and you've never accepted Christ it's very simple we're not going to have you come down to the front it's a prayer that you can pray there's no magic words but it goes something like this if you want to repeat after me just say dear Jesus I'm tired of living life on my own I'm tired of trying to be a good person I'm failing every day I need a Savior. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Please be Lord of my life. And wrap me up in your love. Wrap me up in your grace. Wrap me up in your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.